1: Hey, I'm Brian Hyatt and this is Rolling Stone Music Now. So somehow we have gotten to the halfway point of 2017 and what a year it's been, but we've made it this far and we thought it would be a good time to talk about the best albums of the year so far and there's been a lot of great music and to talk about that, I have Brittany Spanos here from Rolling Stone, Will Hermes, and John Dolan. Hey guys. Hey. Hey Hey. Brian. So let's talk about this year's music. Are the best albums of this year still? Speaking To the sort of political and historical moment we're in or are they speaking to it by? Jumping into escapism. What, what do you guys think?
2: I'm definitely on the side of escapism. Yeah, I, I, think I think the best Albums at least for me my favorite albums have been the more escapist pop albums and my favorite um, singles have really been the escapist pop singles and even with the hip-hop singles and rap and rock all that sort of has steered clear Of the more political side for like the better albums of the year and it's really interesting how that's really spoken to I think that's what the what people want right now is for their music to reflect this more escapism this you know way of exiting reality right I think that's really shined this year
1: so when they turn off the news they don't want to turn on music that's basically the news reflected back at them right now
2: yeah and also just like like half-baked attempts at trying to address it because I think <laughs> pop stars can't really that's speak the to the real fear that a lot of people are having right now about this political moment and I think that's what they want from their pop music is for it to reflect outside of that. Hmm.
3: Right. Yeah, I think certain artists are trying to tackle it but maybe mm-hmm. they're tackling it in a way like Jason Isbell mm-hmm. is a you know not a big pop songwriter but he made a really really great record where he's talking you know kind of just about like being exhausted and, you know, even kind of taking exception to his own, you know, like, you know, white rock dude privilege. Um, but it's uh, smart, really good songwriting in a kind of country rock vein. And, um, and Roger Waters, of course, the ex-Pink uh, Floyd, uh, master
1: of the morose. Mr. Escape is a Mr. Fun, Roger Waters. <laughs> yes. What do you think, John?
0: I feel like after last year, where I felt like a lot of albums were addressing the sense of chaos and sense of kind of urgency of the moment. When the moment actually hits and you're stuck with malaise and fear and paranoia, you're right, it's a, I feel like there's a sense of kind of just exhaustion and people wanting to turn maybe towards something else. Though, um, like you say, like another record, Hooray for the Riff Raff, which is on our list, is, you know, dealing with, with the sort of Issues of, you know, dealing with the kind of music, musical border crossing, but also sort of the problems of immigration and sort of you know these kind of, these kind of things. So I feel right. like there's records that are doing it, but you're right. I think the biggest records. I mean, last year we had Beyonce who seemed to be just like chunneling into how the moment felt in, in, in so many different ways. This year, that record has not come out yet.
1: Right. And Neither Noel's sister has yet weighed in, and, and we're, we feel their absence. I, I mean, I will say that both the Kendrick Lamar. And the Father John Misty albums, in their ways, address the times for me. I, I feel like Father John Misty, and he is a figure of much controversy. Obviously, he is—he has a certain almost arrogance and wordiness, and, yeah, and wordiness, and and it's a combination of these incredibly arch and I would say brilliant lyrics combined with a very mellow folk rock, and it's quite a jarring combination. But Father John Misty, in his sense of the dark absurdity of human existence quite frankly has made an album for the trump era and i think kendrick who wants to talk about the kendrick album and where that kind of leaves us
3: i, th- I think both those records these guys are looking more inside than outside i mean is that uh, a fair guess? i mean certainly kendrick's album as opposed to the last one um mm-hmm. is a little bit more interior um the father john misty record really uh I love it. I mean, I, I think he's... It, it's kind of scary because you're kind of listening to somebody kind of lose their lose their mind, in a way, like at the sort of enormity of um, his existential malaise. Are
1: you a fan of Father Darn Misty or do you hate him? How do you feel, Brittany?
2: I am. I mean, the album wasn't really a standout for me this year, and I feel like maybe it is my own, you know... Desire to go for the more escapist pop moments, um, but that album I enjoyed it. I like Father John Misty. He hasn't always been an artist that I've like been super wowed by, but it was enjoyable.
1: Yeah, it's weird. This was the thing I liked most by him. Actually, I didn't mm-hmm. like the last one. Have I
2: actually you... really like the the last one. Interesting. Yeah.
1: Well, we can we can arm wrestle over that.
2: later. <laughs> so, <laughs> next, so let's ha- real- let's hear
1: Total Entertainment Forever from from Father John Misty, briefly. Betty.
2: Taylor
3: Swift, every night inside the Oculus Rift, after and
1: the Father John Misty is actually singing about escapism rather than embodying it. And it's interesting, I think Arcade Fire, whose record we haven't heard yet, but we're starting to dribble out, is clearly going to be hitting some of the same points, and we'll see how well they address it. How about Kendrick? What do you think of this particular album, Bernie?
2: I really loved it. Um, I think that. Like Will said, it was it definitely felt a lot more introspective, though I do feel To Pimp a Butterfly was a really good look at the self in the context of everything happening around you, but I think this album did feel like he was kind of dealing with a lot more of the internal battles with these things, as opposed to looking outside even more. Um, and I think Humble, I'm, such yeah. a perfect song for this year, and I think he had really great guest spots with Rihanna and you too. I really love those songs, but yeah. Great album.
1: People who have that powerful irrational hatred for U2 and Bono—it's
2: my favorite song in the album. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, it, it,
1: when that song came out, like no no one could come up with a Bono diss involving it. Although it's really funny, I believe he's credited as U2, yeah. which is really which which is actually exactly like crediting Quavo as Migos, which was happening in in, in, in some in some places. Can we hear "Humble"? It's like funny. It, this has happened before when we play Kendrick on the show. Uh, we we can only play a certain amount, but I never want to like stop it. I want to hear the whole song. I, the thing with Kendrick, I think uh, John was saying this. It's it's just a reminder again, of just what a fantastic rapper Kendrick Lamar is. Mm -hmm. You know, especially in a time, of course, when lyrical skills aren't the most valued trait in hip-hop, certainly to the extent they once were. It's just, you know, it's it's a reminder of just pure technical brilliance and also his melodic brilliance. Mm -hmm. Um, So, But we did mention Migos. Um, I love uh, Migos' album culture. Uh, and, And the funny thing about Migos is, for a while, they were taking the kind of heat that to a lesser extent, that someone like Lil Yachty was taking a few years ago, where it's like, oh, they aren't real rappers or something. And now you listen to culture, they're like, oh, wait, they're like, you know, <laughs> they're right, like they're heralding in <laughs> new way they're, yes. right? They're like Biggie times Tupac compared to Yachty, like, like they're yeah. they actually, you know, the, the, I don't I don't really see the problem there. And, and it's just, it's a it's a rap album as a pop album. It's 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 so infectious. It's all about the energy. Uh, John was saying that like he, he's not a big fan of the lyrics, but doesn't really care. <laughs> well,
0: lyrically, it's like anti-content almost, but like
1: <laughs> sonically, which
0: Forces you kind of have to focus on how sonically it is like so inventive, like their sort of cadences, these triplets, these kind of, f- f- uh, you know, patterns they have and the slang and the sort of just like w- word clusters or sort of sound clusters they make <laughs> when it's like the content is, you know, you know, exactly. It's like we sell a lot of drugs. We this is our life, you know, and uh, but it's 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 it's, it's extremely uh, listenable music, uh, even though it's like, I guess, like pure, yeah hip hop kind of lyricism. It's, it doesn't really add up to
1: much. I mean, we were saying it's a little bit like trap refrigerator poetry. You yeah. Know, just, exactly. just, you know, but but just with a very different set of words. You, you could get say that your, about and a and lot. And of, yeah. So, yeah. Brittany, you were going to say something about the cult travel.
2: Migos is my favorite boy band. I think yeah. they're just like... <laughs> they so are a boy band, so they? They have such great synchronicity with each other, especially even you watch like interviews with them, you watch them on stage. Like, they work so well together and they're really, they're not afraid of pop as a hip-hop group, which I think is... Really important to what we're gonna see from them in the future, mm. because they are not afraid to be everywhere and also embrace the pop side of what rap and hip hop can be right in this moment. And culture is—it's really catchy. The lyrics, again, not great, uh, <laughs> but it really—it's—it's it's in your head. But there's also something
1: like meme-y, of course, yeah. about like you know, drop top. Obviously, like that little word cluster is just just something that they're so good at coming up with. A big on big and stuff it, like that. Yeah, yeah they have the, these little phrases. It's, there. Yeah, it's
2: really about the delivery too, because I yeah. don't think anyone else can really make something like that as memeable as Migos can. And I think Migos and Ray Shatner are really good at hitting sort of a meme-y delivery of just. Strange lines. Let's hear obviously bad and
1: bougie. So yeah, I mean, my god, how many times have we heard that this year and I'm still not sick of it? So that's yeah, that's what a great boy band does. (laughs) (laughs) They make pop songs that you just cannot get enough of. Um, so so Migos I mean the other thing is uh, This gets outside the realm of albums But Quavo I've been meaning to talk about this For a long time Quavo is on Every single song Released this year Every out, al- It's unbelievable mm-hmm. How much Quavo there is and, and Last night was the first time I went back and listened to Culture Since the full ubiquity Of Quavo hit And I was wondering Whether that would make it Somehow wearying You know what I mean Like that it's already over It doesn't seem to matter But Mm -hmm. I do think (laughs) When we look back At 2017 We'll we'll be like This was the year that Quavo was just like I mean he's on the Machine Gun Kelly album he's on the Katy Perry album like I was half expecting him to show up like at the Comey hearing you know like Comey hearing (laughs) featuring Quavo it's it's (laughs) it's it's unbelievable it's a level of ubiquity I I think we haven't seen for a long time and I think we'll see whether that's a good strategy or not is is it possible it's a bad strategy
2: well it's really the Nicki Minaj strategy of being a rapper because it's really releasing your own music and making sure that that's never lost because no one stopped talking about and bougie but really trying to be on everyone's song like they don't <laughs> limit themselves to a certain sect of rap music or a certain sect of pop music like they are on everything and they're really strategic with it too like they found really good songs to appear on like DJ Khaled plus Katy Perry plus you know
1: moving along Drake so John I think you're the maybe the biggest I fan of it, this I album really as like a whole this Drake record a lot yeah um
0: and it's Mainly because it's not so much about Drake's world and his emotional life or whatever it is, but it's about his musical taste and the kind of generosity of that taste. He's really good at connecting things. I mean, he called it a playlist, I think, and that seems like a non phrase or whatever, but like it seems it really (laughs) does seem to have meaning. It's it's it collects things he likes, artists he likes, sounds he likes, and puts them together. And the sort of like it limits the Drakeness of it is kind of downplayed, and the otherworldliness of it is is played up. And it's a very listenable. Just as a listenable Drake record. It's my favorite one to put on, I guess, right now.
1: It's funny One of the things I think That makes Drake A really great artist Is there's different Drakes to be fans of mm-hmm. And I like hard Drake <laughs> <laughs> I like I like sort of the um, you know, Like the energy Drake I like him when he's With the future I like that side of him And there there is I mean for example Free Smoke Which the album starts out with Is, is a good example Of hard Drake That I, I, I just love What's here Free Smoke A little bit
0: I saw people doing things Almost gave up On a music thing But we all so spoiled now More life More everything Must have never had your
2: Phone tap,
1: all the yapping on the phone shit. You yeah, really hard Drake man. Um, oh my God. What's your what? fa- what's your favorite Drake, Brennan?
2: I love pop Drake. Yeah. yeah. Passion Fruit is yeah, right, exactly. such a standout song. It's a song that I never ever get sick of. Um, And I think it's going to be Song of the Summer. And even though it came out a while ago, I still, you can't go really anywhere without hearing it now. I hear it out of cars. I hear it just on the street. It's everywhere.
1: Yeah, John was also, you you love Pop Drake too, right? You love love Trop House.
0: I like the Trop House Drake. It's like when spring came, I opened up the window and played this record. And I I mean, (laughs) he's a really, really good singer. And like a good, and that's when he puts the emphasis on his musicality, I kind of tend to like him. I like Hard Drake too, but I like this Drake a little bit.
1: In in general, you you let you like trap house, which some people hate as a phrase. I I understand it. Well, is I like the, uh, just yeah. I like when it's yeah. pop. I like when these
0: genres become pop. Like this record reminds me of like a lot of '90s down tempo electronic music. Really, mm. it's like this like it's disco, I guess, but in the most like sort of low key and relaxed yeah, and that's... in the background kind of sense. And I find that to be, I don't know, it's 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 enjoyable. Yeah, and I like I liked the Bieber version of it. I just tend to think you know it's like reminds me of like listening to. Sailing by Christopher Cross or something. I don't know. It just has that sort of, like, it's mellow. I like
1: it. Well, let's hear Passion Fruit for a second. Listen, seeing you
2: got ritualistic. Cleansing my soul of addiction for now because I'm falling apart.
1: Yeah, very. I mean, essentially two different artists, really. I mean, you know what I mean. The, 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 he can, Drake contains multitudes. I think you were about to protest in some way about about Drake. Well, well,
3: I I mean, I the best production that is being done in hip hop and in
1: music in general on this
3: album. Like this guy, the entire renaissance of Canadian producers you can mm. credit to Drake, um, and it's not just like Noah be but it's like Boy Wanda on this, Frank Dukes, and the he just gets these great sounds i'd actually just like, kind of like less drake because it doesn't it's not like he's bringing that much to the table lyrically either hmm. um in my mind it's uh you know he's drake has problems with his Will, fame and and, no i know he's got i, I don't want to hate you know but he's you know at, uh, Dude's doing okay in a lot of ways, and you know, I know it's it's tough when you're, you know, when so you're on it, top.
1: Is it the the typical Drake complaint? And I've certainly made this myself. is it uses the word solipsism. A little bit. Uh, is little that bit. is that your problem with it?
3: Well, I don't know. Father John Misty is pretty solipsistic too, for sure. Uh. But it's just like he's he's bringing more ideas. The table, but I still love listening to this record because the production is just absolutely so great, and because he's bringing so much fresh talent to the table—not just as producers, but also as MCs. This whole school of of British grime MCs, which I know not everybody around this table gets behind his, you know, boosterism of uh, of new styles. But I think that's another thing that shows how savvy he is and how he's always trying to stay not just on top but like one step ahead. Yeah, and I'll say yeah. it was this whole like thing about Kanye kind of like they used to do.
0: Yeah, is it like you know we're talking about what makes this music potentially relevant. It's like just the kind of notion with like one dance in this record of just border crossing in general and having a yep. casual mm-hmm. sense of how the world ought to operate and letting people come and go like a Canadian. Is is yeah, totally. It's like like Toronto, you know whatever. It's like that's something that's there and that does have a political resonance.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. A good, great point. The back to the Grime guys. One of the things that that's funny is watching certain young Drake fans react online to the to the Grime guys. A lot of them hated that part of it. A lot of tweets being passed around, be like, "I like it until until whatever skeptic shows up." But I, I enjoy that aspect of Drake too, Expe- uh,
2: especially with that. I think he's gotten a lot better at giving due to artists. Yeah, um, he's, on this record especially. On this record especially, he's gotten a lot better at making sure that they have their moments to shine. I mean, Georgia Smith, she has an entire interlude for herself, and Skepta has a lot of great moments. Sampha, who, who yeah. made one of the best records yeah. of this year, too. Sampha has an entire track, right? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Um, a way
3: Drake people. just lays back.
2: Yeah, and so I, he's gotten a lot better at it. He used to be much more vampiric with it. Right. So.
1: The other point about this record that I wanted you guys to address is, is it too long? Because it
2: is. Yes. Tw-
1: <laughs> there we go. Debate.
2: It's twenty. <laughs> it, it is.
1: It is twenty-two songs long. It is an hour and twenty-three minutes, or something like that. So yes. Yeah, so yes. Yeah.
2: Biggest pet peeve. I feel like so many people have made these really long albums. This was my issue last year with Zane and then Bieber the year before, and now Drake with More Life. These just these albums that go for fifteen songs that really don't need to. Yeah. Or like fifteen songs or more and it's just so unnecessary. People to me.
3: need to really take a hint from our friends in yeah. Nashville who make 10 song records. Mm-hmm. Mm. Make them tight, get yeah. in, get out and uh
2: and it swallows the really great moments to me. I the more life does have a lot of really excellent moments, but I think that and I understand it as the concept of a playlist and keeping it kind of longer but Drake's albums have been so long lately. <laughs> It's, i will well, say the, you have like
3: 25 yeah. talented guest stars yeah and you want to give them space that's what yeah. happens
1: i will say the other day i was i was playing more life at my desk at work and uh i got about six songs in then i went into to a brief meeting in someone else's office and i came back put on my headphones and it was still playing and it's like and you know and i was like oh i missed part of it and i was like you know what maybe that's the idea maybe it's like it really is a playlist it's like you're you, you're not supposed to take it all I in at once you it's background out music of it. it's I mean, ambient views, he was, was kind of
0: like this is my totalizing achievement you have to sit here for 80 minutes and drink me in but this <laughs> is not like that at all it's like put it on go away make some food wander around it doesn't matter it's like it's, 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 it's background music
1: <laughs> it's, Drake's like I will be there when you come back
3: Yeah, <laughs> yes. uh, he's aspiring to his own Sirius XM station I think
1: And on that note, you're listening to Rolling Stone Music Now. We're talking about the best albums of the year so far. And we'll be right back with a lot more. We're here today talking about the best albums of 2017 so far, and we'll continue our discussion. We talked about Father John Misty and Kendrick, and, and now I think we'll talk about some, some pop albums, um, specifically one that came out like three hours ago, <laughs> Lord's Melodrama, which which we're all kind of still absorbing. I feel like, Brittany, I feel like you've managed to fully absorb it in this, in this short span of time.
2: <laughs> I feel like I've been listening to it since <laughs> she dropped it at midnight. <laughs>
1: I think that is probably literally true. There must have been some sleep in there, right? I There's mean, a little it, bit of sleep. Yeah, it was okay. plain still, but. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what do you what do you love about this album?
2: It, I mean, with a sophomore album, it's always so difficult, especially with someone who is so buzzy for their first album. And Lord really hit the perfect sweet spot of everything that we loved about Pure Heroine and everything that we wanted from a more adult mature album from some from a young pop star who's still growing and I, she's such an excellent writer and I think that Pure Heroine got kind of swallowed by the production and I think that her writing didn't really you know, it wasn't at the point that it is now and I think she's really created this beautiful breakup concept album that Is it's perfect to me. I really love. It's my favorite album this year so far.
3: It's it's a great great pop record. I I had a little bit more time with it than other people here Mm -hmm. because I was writing about it and uh, you know Joel Little's production on the first record. It was an entire electronic soundscape, and you know I think she was trying to figure out Mm -hmm. like how do I exist in the realm of these popscapes, But But uh, Jack Antonoff, you know, he came with guitars. He came with Pete drums. She was playing piano. And mm-hmm. it's a little bit more of a classic kind of singer-songwriter-pianist album, except with this you know, fantastic production. I mean, I think it's another record yeah. like The Drake that's kind of a tour de force mm-hmm. of what, you know, really good human-feeling pop production can... Uh, can be like, and um, she's, you know, uh, she, she reminds me of Kate Bush, quite yeah. frankly. I mean, as mm. much as any young artist, you know, now in terms of trying to really out there as a as a as a as a kind of without you know, trying big to sound persona. like Kate
0: Bush, you know. Everyone tries to sound like Kate Bush, but mm-hmm. she kind of embodies a Kate Bush ness. It's a little different than sort of the sort of indie move of being like Kate Bush. But I think it's right. true. It's like the record sounds more modern, but it also sounds more classic. Like mm-hmm. there's, it's more piano intimacy. It's more late nights. It's more wee small hours. But it's also like you know more dance music and more currently with kind of the pop moment where the, mm-hmm. her other records seem to kind of exist a little bit outside of it.
2: Yeah.
1: Let's hear sober from the Lord Wrecker
2: Oh god, I'm
1: clean out of air in my lungs. It's all gone. Played it so nonchalant. It's time we dance with the truth. Move along with the truth. I also feel like she toned down some of her vocal eccentricities without erasing her character and I, I know from uh, reading various profiles of her that that she Worked very hard with Antonov about sort of the way she sang each line, and mm-hmm. I bet that was part of the process. Is you don't want to become a caricature of yourself, but on your second album, and I think she did a good job with that. Yeah. It's less mumbly for sure,
2: especially with an album that's called Melodrama to really deliver these kind of tragic, sad pieces of a relationship. She found a really good way of delivering them with such like a piercing sadness to all, mm. like every line. I think think of songs like Writer in the like Writer Writer in the Dark. And um, Supercut have these really beautiful, sort of Joni Mitchell esque scenes that she paints, and yeah. over kind of this Robin vibe of like sad dance music, just dancing <laughs> alone after a breakup. Yeah, and but very really modern. Beautiful. I mean, even very even modern. the term,
3: even the title Supercut. You know that as a metaphor. I thought was. Was pretty nicely done, but she's there's a lot of Antonov makes a lot of room for her voice, and there's Mm -hmm. a lot of silence on this record. And there's one, there's one I'm forgetting. Oh, homemade dynamite is a a song that I like, and there's this one point in the song where she just Mm -hmm. the music drops out and she just leans into the microphone and goes. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: let's hear homemade dynamite, I think. Don't know you super well, but I think that you might be the same as me. Jimmy Fallon heard this song and was like, "Was like she mentioned Top Gun? Like Tom Cruise is going to be <laughs> on my show wearing his Top Gun outfit while Lord sings this? It's like it's you know, and he'll and be top, jumping he'll be, on the couch. Yeah, it'll jumping on the couch, Amazing yeah. moment. It's, I'm personally still absorbing it. I'm hesitant to express too much about it, but but it does strike me that both this album and some other albums. I'm thinking about Halsey. Sometimes uh, the experience that I have as someone at Rolling Stone is the publicist might come in early and play like. Three songs from an album really early Before um, maybe just Before the single drops and then Those three songs are kind of the first thing you judge The album on which is similar to the rest of the world Like you hear the single and you judge it and I think In both the cases of of Lord And the Halsey record which I like a lot too Those songs in Isolation didn't do as much for me as Hearing the album And and it does suggest to me That we're in a moment of album pop, you know, which is interesting because, of course, pop is inherently a singles medium, but I I think people are really thinking about albums again. I think it goes to an idea that we talked about in our our sort of 2016 wrap-up, which is streaming has helped revive the album. And so these people are thinking about albums. Pop
0: music Mm -hmm. is just at a peak of pretentiousness and that's not bad it's like it's just true though it's like these every record is it's like you know it's like the with the Halsey records opens up with like the uh, monologue from <laughs> Romeo and Juliet and she changes it about her life it's like it's just this oh, it's is by Shakespeare though. Sh- yeah, yeah, yeah and, and like, and Whoa, like it's, yeah. it's it's just a uh, you know, I mean, we live in a time where like these artists have just huge ambitions and because they're not really hemmed in by the by the radio and singles. And the same thing happened to R&B as well. It's like they've kind of taken R&B's lead a little bit with like the way that Beyoncé and Rihanna and these people were making records that were just going to be you listen to the whole well, thing. Well, I think of and,
1: those two artists as pop artists frankly, but yes. You know, yeah, but, the, yeah, but you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, it's true, but
0: like, you know, I think that, that that's just been the that's kind of been the moment of pop now is that it's 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 just it's taken over maybe I'd say mm-hmm. taken over maybe where rock used to be. Sure. Yeah.
2: yeah. And I also i feel like we're getting to the best possible product of nostalgia culture and these are artists like you mentioned halsey and Lore, like they're all like 2021 ish and these are artists who their entire teen years they were writing songs in a time of very singles heavily heavy music industry type of these were art artists are not we're not being cultivated to make full albums or we weren't expecting full albums and they're going back even further and there's a lot of like early 2000s nostalgia 90s nostalgia of what a full album can be and mean and a lot of these artists are referencing like album specific artists from you know 70s 80s 90s and kind of going back to that to create their own music
3: sure with Fleetwood Mac or whether Kate Bush or Joni Mitchell I Mm -hmm. mean I think that's become the kind of standard of you know once you've become a pop star and you've had the big singles what do you do what's your next artistic goal and it is to make you know, make this kind of larger statement and I think maybe that's part of, you know, the the escapism too. It's like a song yeah. is three, four, five minutes long.
2: And it's much easier to become a one hit wonder right now because of, you know, streaming and because it's hard for albums to stick out the way they used to. Um and I think a lot of these artists are on their second, third albums and they're trying to really find a way to make an impact.
1: And they need to tour to make money now mm-hmm. and it's like you can't tour and play big places if people don't have a whole body of work they want to hear from you a whole you body know? and a
2: connection to And a connection to yeah. you
1: as an artist I and mean, let's hear liability which is such a, such a great raw uh lord song and and really struck me uh, when I when I first heard it
2: baby really hurt me crying in the taxi he don't want to know
1: me says he made the big mistake of dancing in my store what I like about Lord n Halsey is how unabashedly brainy they both are mm-hmm. they and 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 the culture is allowing them to embrace that and their fans are embracing it. And it's such a long way from um, this sort of like Britney-Christina era when, if anything, they were encouraged to hide whatever thoughts were in their head, I feel like. And we're we're talking about them as pop artists, but they're also singer-songwriters, and that's a whole different can of worms.
2: Yeah, I think all my favorite artists, I think a lot of the best musicians right now are just huge nerds. I think even... (laughs) you know last year Beyonce and Solange are huge music nerds and they totally. really care about music history and I think you know people like Lord and Halsey and a lot of these artists coming up now and I mean Harry Styles too like they're huge nerds for these like their histories and for music history and for pop culture and for what's going on in this moment and they want to capture that
1: yeah let's move on to Harry and I kind of want to pair the Harry Styles album in our discussion with uh, a different kind of album that's actually very similar uh, by Lindsay Buckingham and and Christine McVie of course a Fleetwood Mac who made their first like sort of duets album and there's a bunch of funny things about it first of all one thing that's really interesting is the Lindsay Buckingham Christine McVie album actually has more adventurous production Mm -hmm. (laughs) than the Harry Styles album which is more classic Uh, and, and it we were saying in the break, like, what if Lindsey Buckingham produced a Harry Styles album? Dreamworld. World. <laughs> Brittany's very much on record on this show of of loving the Harry Styles album. Yeah. I I, re- I really like it as well. What What do you guys think of it?
0: I like it. I, I mean, it's they kind of signaled this. I mean, it's like One Direction actually had a lot of seventies and eighties kind of soft rock things right. in them already. That song "Fireproof" was a Fleetwood Mac ripoff. It was basically just Gypsy. Um, in this huh. case, he just goes back and like picks a genre, and he's got we've got a Kiss one, we've got a Prince one, we've got a you know a, a Queen one, and and they all work pretty well. I mean, he's it's 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 a, it it's surprising, but you're right. It's like that kind of nostalgia. It's nostalgia for a past you never experienced. Is the sort of nostalgia of the of the times, but he does a good job with it.
3: I got nothing. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> well, but maybe I'll maybe I'll come around.
1: Does that mean you don't no do, do you dislike it? if you' dislike, I, I, that's, that's I that's haven't re,
3: I haven't really spent time with it. I was not I, I'm still carrying a bias. Yeah, I mean, I will say also back a to a the political
0: thing. it's like yeah. you know, we're all thinking about Watergate. And now we have all these records that sound like something you listen to during Watergate. It's like, like, really, the the resonance is there. You just got to. Right. And my my, my
3: thing is, I'm just going to go back to records made in the 70s. You can actually listen to Randy That's because I'm old. Everyone's trying to make their Rumors
2: Breakup album. And I think that's sort of the escapist pop moment. I mean, the Lord album, like Harry Styles, Kalani, um, like Halsey's, like they're all these, like. It is true. They're never like,
3: I'm in love. It's never been more relevant.
2: (laughs) Now that we have
1: a little bit of time. Has passed since it came out you, you really have to look at it And be like Man what what a cool Bold thing that he did He, mm-hmm. he made an album That has nothing to do With trends I, I, It was I, a
2: huge risk And I think that It turned out really well For how much How anti This radio moment The entire album is I think that I mean Sign of the Times Is still You know I was in a car For the first time in a while And all I heard on the radio It kept popping up And it's really incredible Let's hear that
1: Yeah
3: Stop your crying, it's a sign of the times.
1: Welcome to the final show. I hope you wearing your best clothes. You can't I actually wonder whether people will look back and be like, wow, you know, <laughs> in a time you know in a time when people were feeling despairing like weirdly Harry, Harry Styles made like this pop single that, that's uh, really kind of apocalyptic and, and that really captured and, like I wonder if they're going to be playing that song over the like the montage of all the, the horrible shit that has, we, we don't know about that's going to happen in the rest of this year. Hey, it's like, movie it like about David Hasselhoff moment. singing over the Berlin Wall Wall falling, you know. <laughs> wow that There's is the quite a of the
2: Hasselhoff of our that is quite a,
1: No Hasselhoff's <laughs> moment was in Guardians of the Ga- was actually in the Guardians of the Galaxy theme song. Hasselhoff did have a song this year. And Anyway, I mean, so so what about the the Lindsey Buckingham and, and Christine McVie album? What do you guys think of it?
0: I just think it's amazing that they're still playing out this drama in this <laughs> band and <in> it's 50 <laughs> years of this band existing. It's like Stevie didn't want to be on this record apparently because she's just you know, didn't want to spend a ton of time on a record and they are really pretty mad. And it comes out in these songs. It's like a tough sounding kind of uh, hard, relatively hard edged Fleetwood Mac record with this huge absence. And they still make that absence a character on the record. I, I, you got to like it. It's, it's you know, know there's Christine, another chapter in the crazy story. Yeah. Christine
3: McVee is like, I came back from retirement. Yeah, right. For you guys. <laughs> now I'm here
1: and you're, you're pulling diva moves.
2: She chooses Lana Del Rey. <laughs> Since yeah, she's since singing with Stevie Harry Styles, <laughs> meanwhile, like yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> Rich Stevie has joined Harry Styles instead. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's strange though because essentially he's taken the production of Tango in the Night, sort of '80s Fleetwood Mac, and and moved on from there. Both actually in his solo records, which are sort of under listened to, but he's not even as a Harry Styles. And I, I touched on this before. Even as a Harry Styles, is trying to do sort of. Largely, but not exclusively, sort of '70s classic stuff. That's not what uh, Lindsey Buckingham t- wants to do, or what Hayam, whose full album hasn't come out yet. They're more interested in, in Tango in the Night and and everywhere, further that stuff. Yeah, yeah. like, sound, like the, those keyboard sounds, those
0: vocal sounds. Like, and he just likes to take that and make it more demented. Every it's, just, it's every time he does it.
1: What's <laughs> here? The, the opening track, Sleeping Around the Corner. When- I mean, it's in no danger of being mis- mistaken for Migos or anything, but it is kind of progressive and, and, mm-hmm. and modern-ish, I would say. Yeah,
2: yeah, I mean, the entire album sounds so fresh. Christine is incredible on it. Feel About You is definitely one of the best pop songs of this year. I mean, Chris, Christine McVie is still one of the best pop writers to have ever done Totally, it. totally. Yep. So it's great to have her back. I think just listening totally. to the album and getting this new material, getting this sort of... The Lindsay and Christine harmonies are always one of the shining moments. And most underrated parts of Fleetwood Mac, I think that the drama obviously like you know, is a big part and the anger has really propelled some of the best music that we've got. And But the Christine and Lindsay harmonies is really what makes Fleetwood Mac sound so... Makes the Fleetwood Mac sound.
3: Yeah, that little bit right there. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's still totally there. Yeah.
2: I want
1: to talk about Dirty Projectors. Will, I think you're our biggest proponent of the Dirty Projectors album, so it, tell us what you like about it.
3: Yes, I'm a big uh, Dave Longstrith fan, and uh, he uh, took some time off from the group basically uh, to repair himself after a breakup. Um, the group is just him at this point it used to be a number of um a number of vocalists and uh and he was doing um he was doing a lot of a lot of pop work he was uh he was working with um he worked with Kanye and Rihanna and uh Paul McCartney for 4 or 5 seconds he was you know just doing um doing stuff that was like outside of the indie rock realm and this record is basically him kind of engaging with a lot of uh, pop strategies and pop tropes but uh, but getting uh, getting weird ass with them and arty with them and well, we funny were, with them we too. were
1: talking about this sort of opening moments of the album and let us hear the, the very close to the beginning of the album uh, keep your name when he confronts us with some unusual vocal strategies let's 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 hear that
3: i don't know why you abandoned me <laughs>
1: You were my soul and my partner. <laughs> so I, I'll be doing that at karaoke tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone will... <laughs> But the, the, what, what you can see on the radio is uh, is uh, Britney's face. Is that
2: what the point? I've never listened to Dirty Projectors before, unless it's like, I just. It doesn't always sound like that. My, yeah. I I was, that was not, an experience. I'm not going to <laughs> explore their catalogs right now.
1: I will say, you know, in that it, it, it is his return to indie, such as indie is at the moment, he does indulge in the classic indie thing of putting one of the most sort of. Um, Confrontational audio moments At the very beginning of the album It's like a lot I just think of A classic example Is the Clap Your Hands Say Yeah Album is a good example And there's a Bright Eyes album That does the same thing Where you listen to the first track And you're like What is this And then But it's all just to make them seem more indie when the rest of the album is actually super accessible he's a smart ass i mean i right. think that's what it comes down
3: to is that there's a lot of stuff that's done on this <laughs> album that's kind of like an inside joke like oh yeah well you know like I, I like these pop tropes but maybe they don't seem cool but i'll use them and do some weird stuff like he uses a sample of uh the first time ever i saw your face It's like mm. fantastic Beautiful Roberta Flack song but he uses he samples the original folk version by Peggy Seeger and then speeds it up so she sounds like a Bollywood singer and if you're if you're a geek and you can like yeah. listen to that and you sort of laugh but then it also works in the same way that Kanye's sped up you know um soul singer's work. So it's, right. it's kind it's, of it's, meta. It's definitely an album worth hearing. Pop.
1: and I think it's fascinating. I, it's just, we played that track just to illustrate what it confronts <laughs> you with at the very beginning. Uh, th- and then I wanted to talk about this Really brilliant Valerie June album uh, The Order of Time Valerie June um, Sort of a A a gospel raised Singer songwriter Americana Thing that Bob Dylan loves And it's just Weirdly what it Reminds me of Is uh, Chris Whitley In some weird way It's kind of Hitting that like that unearthly Americana note that I that I really missed. But they they got,
3: both have those, those yeah. very haunted blues That's it. vocals. Yeah. Okay, and,
1: great. I'm not insane. Good. Okay. No. <laughs> it's, I mean,
3: it's a, it's a beautiful record. It took a while, but it really, really has grown into one of my favorite records of the year.
1: In our very few remaining moments, I just wanted to ask everyone, what, what are your kind of personal oddball picks or just personal picks that might not appear on our list or might not be in the top of the list that, that you personally really love this year? What do, what do you think, Brené?
2: Um, well, I have three albums that I've returned to a lot throughout the year. Um, Blondie's Pollinator is a really excellent album, mm. uh, really great features from a lot of younger artists. We have Dev Hines and Charlie XCX, and Charlie XCX released a really great mixtape called Number One Angel. Super weird. Really Slept on. Really slept on. Really, really slept mm. on. Every song is incredibly catchy, and I wish that they were big radio hits. And the Incubus album 8 is another favorite of mine with an excellent song called State of the Arts, executive produced by Skrillex.
1: And I'm still <laughs> half convinced that... Britney is messing with us and there's no such album <laughs> but, uh, really but we, we, we can all Google it and find out it's really great thanks Britney and, and Will
3: how about you um, I'll just three names real fast um, Joan Shelley is a Kentucky singer who's got one of the most beautiful voices in pop kind of like an Americana folky thing produced by Jeff Tweedy of Wilco um, the new Spoon record yeah great that's a good one Austin indie rock band that uh, is still sounds as great as ever um, and uh, I, um, I I I think I will be echoed by John Dolan on uh, the J. Soam record, yeah. which is fantastic. And Amy Mann made a really good record this year, too. She yeah. made a great
0: comeback. The Joan Shelley record is like Nick Drake was from Kentucky or something. It's right. really beautiful. <laughs> That's and a the, good J- the J. Som record is like, it's like, if Liz Fair and Brian Eno were the same person, it's like this lo fi <laughs> record that's like in love with sound, which is such an interesting idea. It's like it, it, she does so many different things, but it's still lo fi. Th- I would pick the J Sum for sure for me and the, the the record, two kind of early 90s indie records. One is the Girlpool album, Power Plant, which is just really funny, caustic, smart, intimate songs with a lot of great kind of Smith's jangly guitar. And, and they've upped the guitar a little bit more from their last record, which was more muted. Um, and uh, the other one is uh, this band, uh, Charlie Bliss. The record and it, is called Guppy
1: Cool And we will definitely look for that And I'll throw in uh, Check out the Jadena album I really like that one and, and I just personally Will ride hard for the uh, Steve Zand album Yeah um, This is Rolling Stone Music Now That's the best albums of 2017 We'll be back next week At 1pm on volume And in the meantime Download us as a podcast Subscribe to us as a podcast On iTunes or wherever you get them And we will see you next week